Second Chronicles chapter 15 and verse 1. And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah the son of Oded. And he went out to meet Asa and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you be with him. Let me say that again. The Lord is with you while you be with him. And if you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Now for a long season Israel hath been without true, uh, the true God and without a teaching priest. My goodness, how in the world could they ever survive without a preacher? No wonder they were in the condition they were in. They didn't have a teaching priest and without law. But when they, in their trouble, and it's sad that we have to wait till we get in trouble to turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. And in those times there was no peace to him that went out, nor to him that came in. But great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the countries. And then verse 6 said, And nation was destroyed of nation, and city of city. For God did vex them with all adversity. And then our focus 52 scripture be ye strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to talk to you uh, for a little bit tonight on this subject, how to get back on track. How to, how to get back on track. I, I want to, I first of all, you know, if there's such a thing as being comfortable in preaching, there's no place anywhere in the world that I feel more comfortable to preach than where I'm at tonight. But I, I want to I talk to this church, you know, when my kids were growing up and and things kind of got out of kelter. It was time to call a family meeting. In today's terminology, it'd be a come to Jesus meeting. And it was time to get things straightened out and headed in the right direction. And that's what I'd like for this to be tonight. I want to tell you that this is this is one of the greatest churches anywhere. I, thank you for those three or four of you that believe that. I want to tell you that this is one of the greatest churches anywhere. I've been in churches all over this country and, in fact, all over the world, and there are few churches that have the spirit, the anointing, and the people that love God like this church loves God. But I, I, I'm going to ask you a question. Remember, we're just family here tonight. If you're a guest here tonight, it's okay. Just come on and be part of the family. But I, I want to ask you a question tonight. And this is going to be a little um, transparent moment, okay? Now, first of all, I want everybody to close your eyes. Nobody looking. Nobody looking except me. Now, I'm going to ask you a question, and I just want you to raise your hand when I ask you that question. Do you, do you on a consistent basis think about the growth of this church? If you do, raise your hand. All right, thank you. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you tonight. We've got folks in this church that are willing to do the physical work. We've got folks that volunteer on a weekly basis. They clean. They do whatever needs to be done. Mow the grass. Pull weeds. Whatever needs to be done in a physical realm. We have some that are willing to study, make themselves available to help us in an educational realm or biblical teaching and preaching. We have that. But I want to I take you somewhere tonight that's so very important for all of us to understand. Because there is a tendency when you're in a church like we're in tonight to just kind of sit back and just, just depend on natural growth to happen. Watch this. Watch this. Raise your hand if you got a baby that's, that's a, a year or younger. Raise your hand right now. Watch, just keep them up. One, two, three, four, five, six. All right. We got six new babies. You know what that is? That's six new converts for the future. But we grew them here. Let, let me see your hand if you grew up in the church. Look at this. Look at this. These are folks that came up in the church. And that's awesome. That's great. But I want you to know that we cannot depend upon that to be our sole growth method. Watch this. Watch. Um, I, I want you to go with me. I don't want you to just take my word for it. I want you to go with me. Watch this. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. We know and understand Paul's talking to his son in the gospel. And this is what he says to him. Study to show thyself approved unto God. That's all good. But he said, that's not the reason why I want you to study. This is why I want you to study. A workman. That doesn't sound like an idle approach. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, now watch, just stay with me. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. But here it is. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are His. Watch here. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ Depart from iniquity. And then he says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, here it is, and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good, say the word, work. 
Now, I'm, I'm talking to you about getting back on track here. I'm going to help you tonight with some things, but I want this church, I, I want us to somehow change or create. Uh, the culture's been here. Maybe we just need to revive the culture. Pastor's been holding classes on some Saturdays on outreach and teaching home Bible studies, but I want to, I'll say revive the culture in this church that we are more than just pew sitters. We are more than just goosebump getters. But there's something inside of us that says, you know what? You see that seat that's empty beside me? That's not right. And that's not the will of God. And that's not what God wants His church to be. You say, well, Bishop, you know, the numbers don't matter. They do matter. Because every number is a soul. And so I'm going to try. I know that's hard to do in 30 or 45 minutes, but I'm going to try to get you thinking in a different direction and get you back on track and understand that your role in the church is more than just being a tithe payer and offering giver and a church attender. Your role in the church is to be a soul winner and a disciple maker and God wants to use you in that role. Say, oh, I'm kind of shy, I'm kind of backward. Quit. Just quit that. Everyone in this building has the potential. You say, I don't know what to say. you got a testimony. Amen. Your, my testimony's not your testimony, and your testimony's not mine. And you're going to, you know what they say? This is a statistic. They say for every one person that you win, they will touch ten other people. Now they might not win those whole all of those ten people, but they're going. You know what? There's nothing like new converts. You want to start revival at FPC? You just line up these pews with drunks and drug addicts and backsliders and sinners that have been forgiven by the grace of God and washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And pulled out of a world of darkness and sitting in a place where there's peace, joy, and righteousness in the Holy Ghost. You line these seats with those kind of people and you are destined for revival. You want to know why? Because they can't keep it quiet. Uh, they're not used to it. It hasn't become old hat to them. They want somebody else to know what Jesus will do for them. See, I've done made some folks mad tonight already. I'm usually pretty good at that. Watch this. Getting back on track. What are we trying to do? Everybody say this. Getting things done. Now... I don't want to get tied up here too long, but I, I, I need, to, need to somehow get it in your spirit tonight of where we are in the scope and time frame of eternity and the end of the age. Listen, watch me right here. You don't have six months, a year, two years to do what you're going to do. Ah, oh, Bishop, we've heard that for 25 years. Watch me here. I'm telling you, I'm telling you that the signs of the times are everywhere and things are shaping up for a final showdown. Listen to me. You're not going to have time to get ready. You better be ready right now. 
to tell you one of the greatest tragedies in the apostolic church is for those of us that know truth. And, and that, that's kind of our badge of honor. I know truth. I know there's one God. I know you need to repent and be baptized in Jesus' name, be filled with the Holy Ghost. I know that we need to come out from among them and be separate people. I know truth. But one of the tragedies of knowing truth is keeping it to yourself. Getting things done. What are we doing? Getting things done for and in the kingdom. Getting things done for and in the church. Getting things done for and in the family. And getting things done for and in your own personal life. Just give me about 30 minutes here. I want to tell you what we're going to do. We're going to try to equip you for getting things done in those areas of your life. Even on your job or in your business tonight. I'm going to try to help you a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I play golf, or I play at golf, I should say. And, and uh, you know what? When I'm playing golf a lot, I, I, I can pretty much grasp what's going on with my swing. But when I don't play for a while, Brother Joe, those old habits come back. And so i got to make radical adjustments in my swing to try to get back to where I was. Are you with me right now? God's trying to get the church to wake up and make some radical adjustments in our lives to where we can get back on track for what God wants us, what God's called us to do, what God wants us to do, and what pleases God. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, let, let, let me move on. I, I read to you scripture. We'll, we'll bypass all of that. This is where it is in history. The southern kingdoms of Judah and Benjamin had long been following after false gods and ignoring their relationship with the one true God. And in verse 4 we find out that uh, in their distress, in their trouble, they turned to the Lord. They got desperate enough to understand that their only way to survive where they're at is to call on the Lord and return to him. Listen, folks, I cannot stress to you enough about the time frame where we are. I'm telling you that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that things are about to get desperate. They're about to get tighter than you have ever seen in your life. Listen to me. I know, I know what some of you think about me, but that's okay. I'm telling you that supply lines are getting ready to tighten up. Listen to me. They're getting ready to tighten up on the church. They're closing in. They're setting the table right now. And they're getting ready to close in on those of us that believe what we believe. Listen to me right now. The moral, the moral state of our nation is getting ready to go down the drain. The Bible said it. They're going to say what's right is wrong. And what's wrong is right. What's good is evil. And what's evil is good. 
You listen, it's playing out right now just as sure as I'm standing before you. And it's easy for us to sit here in a Pentecostal church tonight with the Spirit of the Lord flowing freely and say, oh, that won't bother me. But I'm telling you, it's getting ready to bother you. And unless we get desperate enough, and maybe that's where God's going to let us go, that we get desperate enough to seek Him. For some of us, there may be times in our walk with God that we just simply, we simply have to back up Desperate times demand desperate measures. And we just have to back up and look at the situation and say, that's not going to work. God, you got to get me back on track because my sons and my daughters are not saved. My husband and my wife are not saved. Come on. My neighbors and my friends are not saved. And God, I'm desperate for you to move, to touch their lives. And whatever you got to do to me, do it to make me willing to make myself available to be that instrument in your hands. Watch this. There's several things that uh, Asa and the southern kingdom of Judah and Benjamin do to restore proper relationship with God. How many of you want to know how to get back on track with God? Your dreams. Your vision, your goals, your destiny. The Bible tells us that Asa took courage. He became excited. He became filled with zeal to get back on track. He removed the idols. I think Pastor just preached to us just a few days ago about getting the idols out of our lives. He, he, he removed the idols. He got, rid of, he got rid of things that were causing him to stumble and fall. Listen to me. You don't have time to stumble and fall. He stopped doing wrong things. He restored the altars. He recommitted his life to God. He started doing the right thing. He was encouraging. And he reminded them of the reason that they had to get back on track. He says to them in our Focus 52 scripture. He says to them, be strong. Be encouraged. And make resolve to be strong. Great energy and strength would be required to persevere in the face of the opposition your comeback measures will encounter. 
I got out this morning. I've been so lazy. I've been so lazy. Now, don't take that the wrong way. I've been telling myself every day when I have to rock back and forth to get up out of the chair because my joints were so stiff. You know what I'm talking about, don't you, Brother Sawyer? I've been telling myself every day, fat boy, you're going to have to get up and move. So I got out this morning, Brother Looper. I put on my Apple Watch and my tennis shoes, and I walked for two miles. And you may have to help me get to my car after church tonight. What are you saying? I'm trying to tell you when you're trying to get back on track, you just got to make yourself do some things uh, that maybe don't feel good, uh, that maybe aren't fun. Uh, Come on, somebody. Uh, It's some things that you used to do that you haven't done for a while, and God's trying to deal with us to get us back on track because there's a world that needs us to have a move of God and the world can't have a move of God till we position ourselves to have a move of God. We got to get up and start moving. Come on, somebody help me praise Him right now. Where's Sarah? Where's Sarah at? Where's she at? There she is back. What'd you put in that coffee? I'm sweating like a horse. Man. Remind me not to drink coffee 30 minutes before I preach again. Listen to me. God wants us to understand our comeback is going to face opposition. But we've got to be strong. And then he says, watch this. I love this part. We should all love this part. He said, if you'll be strong, your work shall be rewarded. Now, he didn't say you'd get rewarded sitting on the sidelines. You'd get rewarded by being neutral. But he said, your work shall be rewarded. What do you do? In the cause and for the glory of God, what you do will assuredly be followed by happy results. If you've got children that are lost, he said, I'll reward you if you'll just keep doing what you did for me to get you through everything that you've gone through to this point, and I'll save your babies. I'll restore your family. I'll heal your bodies. I'll touch your minds. You will be rewarded for your work. He took courage. He became a zealous reformer. They removed the idols. I won't stay there because pastor just preached to us about that. But they removed the idols. And Asa destroys the pagan altars and the shrines. Using all of his royal authority. Let me say that again. His royal authority. Tell your neighbor, you're a king and a priest. Now, I'm fixing to give you, those of you who got your pens out right now, I'm fixing to give you something. God, God is trying to get this church to understand He wants you to use your royal authority for this. Watch. Get ready. Here it is. To detach, 
to delete and to destroy every sign or remnant of idolatry in the land. Oh, let me let me say it again so you you can write it down. You ready? Detach, delete, and destroy. Detach, delete, and destroy. He left no evidence of past failure. He left no evidence of something to go back to in a pinch. If we get back on track, we'll lay down, tear down everything that caused us to get off a track and destroy it out of our lives. Delete it out. Oh, God help me. Delete it out of our lives so that the only thing you can do is when things get rough, and they will. When things get difficult, and they will. The only thing that you'll be driven to do is to reach out and take a hold of that that is before you and understand God will get you through and you will be rewarded for your work. He removes all obstacles. Those obstacles represent the temptations that we're associating ourselves with. Why? Why do we insist on keeping things in our lives that we know are detrimental to our spiritual health? Knowing that the time is short. He removes himself and he removes the idols as well. You know, there just comes a time in our lives, in our relationship with God, when we get back on track, that our flesh does not dictate our direction, but God's Spirit dictates our direction. He detached, he deleted, and destroyed the temptations and the things that caused him and them to fall off track. And here, I love this. You ready? I'm trying to help you get back on track. They repaired the altar. Verse 8 said, they renewed the altar of the Lord before the porch. That, that's the burnt the altar of the burnt offering. He rededicated himself back to God and his plan for his life. We need to get back to a steady, everybody say steady, a steady prayer life. I'm not talking about Sunday morning prayer room, Sunday night prayer room, and Thursday night prayer meeting. I'm talking about a steady prayer. What's the word? Life. That means it becomes a way of life. If we're going to get back on track to where God can use us to bring restoration and revival and healing in the land. We've got to get back to a steady prayer life and dependence on God. And we've got to reestablish our covenant with the Lord. One of my favorite scriptures. You know it. It's not by works of righteousness which we have done but through his mercy God saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost listen to me right here I know I can't give you book chapter and verse for it right now but I want you to hear me right now I'm telling you that if you are filled with the Holy Ghost 
you need to talk in tongues every day of your life. Well, you can't show me that in the scripture. I just did. The Bible said we're saved by the renewing of the Holy Ghost. I don't know about you, but I believe that every day my salvation is in danger if I don't stay renewed in covenant with God every day, every day, every day. We've got to get back on track. Everybody say, I need to talk in tongues. Yeah, I'll take that, Brother Sawyer, daily. Somebody asked me one time, said, can you, can you talk in tongues anytime you get ready? I said, sure. Oh, well, I don't know about that, Bishop. Listen, if you're full of the Holy Ghost, watch now. Jesus said, he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Holy Ghost, which had not yet been given. They didn't have it then, but I got it now, and it's a river of living water. That... Come on. You don't have to work it up. You don't have to shout it down. If it's living inside of you, it's going to flow out of you. So yeah, I can talk in tongues anytime I get ready. Why? Because that's the language that God gave me. And he said, when you know not what you should pray, the Spirit itself maketh intercession for you. Oh, I can see it now. We're getting a little tussle with the devil. And, and we look at the devil and say, wait, could you wait just a minute? i got to see if I can get this Holy Ghost working. <laughs> I'm telling you that in order for us to get back on track, we've got to renew our covenant with God every day. Every day. Every day. God's wanting to use you. God's wanting to raise you up. God's wanting to empower you. But He can't empower you if you're not in covenant with Him. All right, I'm hurrying. This is what some of us need to do. Let, let, let me see the hands of everybody here that remembers the first time you received the Holy Ghost. Just about everybody. I just, my wife and I just came through Tulsa, Oklahoma. I passed an exit. It said, Harvard Avenue. I said, babe, right there, 2441 North Harvard Avenue. I was living with my granddad. I was kneeling at the sofa in his living room reading my Bible. I wasn't even asking for the Holy Ghost, but I was reading my Bible. And it hit me, Brother Jordan, right there kneeling at that sofa in my granddad's mobile home. The Holy Ghost fell on me, and I remember it. I remember it. I don't think that trailer's even there now. But I could just about take you and point the spot where I got it. Why? Because I want you to realize there's times when we just need to go back where we started and say, you know what? I'm going to go forward. I'm going to get back on track. And the thing that caused me to be able to move forward in the kingdom was where I started. Listen to me. I know we say 
It's not as important where you start as it is where you finish. But there's some of you that need to go back and be reminded of where you were when he found you and what he did for you to bring you out. Come on, clap your hands and praise him right now. They assembled together. They gathered. He gathered all of Judah and Benjamin. Watch. Listen, here's where some of us are. Here's where some of us are. Not satisfied with these minor measures of purification and improvement. Asa meditated a grand scheme. To pledge his whole kingdom to complete the work of reformation. And with that in mind, he gathers everybody together. Say, what's that got to do with us, Bishop? Listen to me right here. If you're going to get back on track, you're going to have to have a consistent church life. Brother Jeff McLean, I can't, I can't, I, I, I know, I know I'm a preacher, I get it. But I can't wrap my mind around there being an option of going to church. I, Brother Michael, I, 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 can't, I can't wrap my mind around when, when it's church time. Of me saying, well, do I go today or do I not? Well, you know, I'm, I'm okay. I'm all right. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not in too bad shape. I'll be okay just not to go today. I, I, can't, I can't wrap my mind around that. I, I, I can't. I, I, I mean, my kids aren't here, but they'll tell you when they were sick. We'd bring them to church and slide them under the pew. Amen. Why? You know, we used to believe that the best thing to do when your children are sick was to pray for them. But now, well, I better get away from it. I'm telling you that God's still a healer. He's still in the miracle business. And just like he did back then, he'll do it again if we'll get back on track and start trusting him and be committed to a church life, a consistent church life. Well, you know, I've got some things that that, I, that are personal preference to me. And I'd rather do them today than go to church. You better get back on track. There may be somebody that will die and go to hell. Because you've chosen to be selfish. Oh man, that's tough right there. Say, so you're just trying to guilt me, Bishop. No, I'm not. I'm trying to get you back on track. Watch this. A consistent church life is so important. And, and, and I'm down to the last couple points here. Verse 14 and 15, he, he indicates that we must commit or recommit and seek God eagerly. Eagerly. Watch this. Anybody, anybody here have an idea? A little class participation. Anybody here have any idea how many days it takes to form a habit? Twenty-eight days. 
28 days to form a habit. What are you saying, Bishop? I'll tell you what you do. From tonight, 28 days later, from tonight, 28 days, you watch what happens when every morning when you get up, the first thing you do is hit your knees and pray and talk to God. 28 days. Just 28 days. That's all I'm, that's all I'm asking. For the next 28 days, you make that your practice. And watch after 28 days how on the 29th day, if you don't do it, there's something inside of you that says, oh, no, I've got to get there. I need that prayer time. 28 days. Now, that's good and bad. Yeah. Amen. 28 days to develop a habit. I'm trying to get you back on track. Trying to help somebody here. We need a move of God that transforms the landscape of this city. That transforms the landscape of this church community. Listen, we need a move of God that allows us to expand our borders. Come on somebody. And it's not just a one man show or a platform show. Come on. It's got to come from the pulpit to the pew. It's got to spread and there's got to be a people that says, you know what? We're going to do this together. We're going to get back on track and we're going to be workmen fit for the kingdom's sake. When you seek God, he'll be found. Here it is. Here's the conclusion of the whole matter. If we keep getting back on track and never give up, we will be rewarded with what God already desires for us. Don't you let the devil tell you anything else. God wants you to be blessed. God doesn't expect you to walk around with your head hung low, pitiful and humble. Watch me here. God wants you to be blessed. God wants you to walk in His favor. Why? He even said goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. But you've got to stay on track and if you get off track you just got to get back on track how's your relationship with God lately if it's off track then Asa will help you get back on track Uh, this is verse 2 The Lord is with you when you're with Him. I I love this. I'm going to give you a little little principle here. Peace. Everybody say peace. Peace is a product of commitment to the Lord. I I don't understand, Bishop. I... I got trouble all the time. Do you know you can even have peace in trouble if you're committed to the Lord? You can have peace in times when you don't understand why you're going through what you're going through when you're committed to the Lord. Because you understand that whatever you're going through, God knows what you're going through. And if you're committed to Him, you're committed to trust Him enough to know that whatever it is and wherever it's headed, He's going to get you through it because you stay on track. Stand with me.
The man of God came to Asa. Asa responded, destroyed the idols, tore down the altars. Watch this. This is the sad part. Those that refused to renew the covenant were to be put to death. For by their refusal, they indicated their enmity to God. Well, I'm not going to do that. I can't help you. I can't, there's nothing I can do to help you're going to have to deal with God. If, if, if you're not going to do what God's calling you to do. See, the Bible said the people wholeheartedly pledged their continual faithfulness. I'm telling you, pastor preached a few days ago about this being, this church being significant. Significant. I want this church to understand. I know, I know sometimes that when we're in a familiar atmosphere that we take some things for granted. But I want you to understand tonight you are an extraordinary church. And because of that, there's a scripture. This may be out of context. I'm not sure. But the Bible said to whom much is given. Much is required. Listen, God's going to use this church to produce an end time revival like has never been seen. But it's important right now for you and me to be on track because God's going to need you and me to do the work that must be done to produce what he's desiring to give. Lift your hands to the Lord. Master God, in the name of Jesus Christ, God, let a spirit of commitment, a spirit of renewal, God, a spirit that desires to walk in your will and not ours, God, let it take hold of the hearts of this sweet people. We're believing you, God, for a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost. God, let us remain committed and strong and have resolve like never before. And your word said that our work would be rewarded. And we're believing you for it and we stand on that promise in Jesus' name. Amen.